0: This is the Magic Word
1: Hello, this is Scott Wells for the Magic Word I want to uh, thank and welcome many listeners who I think are new this week, who have joined the ranks of listeners around the world. After just returning from Blackpool Convention, I know there were some people who just got introduced to this podcast for the first time there. So welcome. I hope that you enjoy this episode we're going to be having here this week featuring Ken Weber, who is author of the book Maximum Entertainment 2.0 and we're going to talk to him about that. I want to also thank our sponsor this week, that is the Winter Carnival of Magic that's coming up on March 7th, 8th, and 9th. We're going to hear from Tom Forgehan a little bit later in this podcast as he tells us a little bit more about that, but if you want some more detail on that convention, please go to the convention guide page of the blog at MagicWordPodcast.com, and there you'll have an opportunity then of course to find out about all the conventions around the world. If your convention is not listed, please let me know and I'll be sure to post that free of charge over there on that convention guide page. I want to also thank everyone who are my regular listeners for allowing me to take off a week since we had so much content over the past few weeks. I thought I should give everybody a chance to digest what has been posted out there and give you a chance to kind of get caught up on everything then as well. And I appreciate those who have signed up for the pod letter. If you have not yet signed up for the pod letter, all you have to do is go to the com and there should be a pop-up that will say subscribe to our pod letter or you can go to uh, clicking on one of the tabs there also. And speaking of our sponsor here this week, which is the Winter Carnival of Magic, I want to encourage anybody, if you have an opportunity uh, financially, to uh, support us. We would appreciate that so this way we can continue to give these podcasts for free to all the magicians uh, around the world and people who have an interest in magic. And if you will go again to the magicwordpodcast.com, there, you will find out how you can support us with uh, one-time donations, through PayPal or through ongoing pledge using Patreon, any way that you can help us would be great. And if you can figure out how to leave us a five star rating on iTunes, that will be great too. Uh, apparently, some people are having some difficulty trying to do that, and I'm not sure how I can uh, assist you with that. Uh, but I think if you just do a little bit of googling or figure out, I, I think you can figure it out. <laughs> Please leave us five star rating. We haven't had any ratings for quite a while, but that does help our podcast grow. Listen this. this. This is going to be a very full podcast. I don't want to take up much more time here on the front end. I'm just going to jump right in over here and uh, introduce our guest. While I was at the Magi Fest earlier this year in Columbus, Ohio, I had an opportunity to sit down with Ken Weber, and we have been talking over the years from time to time, and so you've heard his voice as part of some of my regular convention updates or reports whenever I've seen him, like at the Mindvention or whether it's been at the Magic Live or at Columbus Magic or elsewhere, wherever we've been, I will often have a, a few minutes with him. But I always wanted to sit down and chat with him for a more extended time to talk with him because he is a consultant uh, for magicians and helps improve their act. And, of course, his book, Maximum Entertainment, was a an important book in uh, our Uh, It should be an important book on your library shelf. And 2.0 has taken it to another level yet. So I would suggest that you uh, get that book. And if you don't have it, perhaps you might win it because we're going to have a contest, which I'll tell you more about on the back end of this, where you might have an opportunity to win a copy of Maximum Entertainment 2.0, compliments of our guest this week, who I'm going to introduce right now. Please welcome Mr. Ken Weber here on The Magic Word. Today I have with me someone who I've been wanting to talk with for a long time, someone who is well-known within the mentalism community in particular, magic community in general. And last year at the Magi Fest in Columbus was one of the— was it last year or the year before? I think it was a featured speaker. I
2: think the year before. The
1: year before, yeah, in 2021. Two, sorry, where's this, 2024? Then now here we are in Columbus at the Magi Fest then. And he was uh, talking about his book, which many of you have, which is— Maxim Entertainment and then Maxim Entertainment 2.0, which takes everything just a, a step further. One of the things that I've always found interesting about, and, and also his background really is in finance and also in investments. And that's, you have your own company for investing and everything, you know, Weber asset management, which is completely separate Se- then from, from separate. magic <laughs> then as well. But if you guys uh, need someone to help with uh, managing your money, give Ken a call. And so here's my guest then today, Ken Weber. Hey, Ken, good to see you, man.
2: Scott, we've done this once before years ago, and I'm glad uh, you thought it's worthy to do it again.
1: Well, I think it is for us to actually sit down and have actually a proper conversation, you know, uh, to let everybody kind of know a little bit more about you. And just kind of because I remember one time there was a a dinner we all went to at Magic Live, and that was uh with you and me and Banachek and I think maybe Bob Cassidy and John Stetson. I'd forgotten who all was there. Do you remember that uh, – well, if it was Cassidy, we're
2: talking several years ago. Oh, yeah, that would have been gone. like
1: seventeen, six, fifteen, maybe. Two thousand fifteen. It was a long time ago. Okay,
2: yeah. How long has he been gone, actually? Ooh, it's it's five years. You put me on the spot here. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. been a while. That's yeah. that's
1: true. We'll just yeah. say that. Uh, and he has been something, somebody who's been influential, just as uh, you have been then as well with what you have been teaching and talking about. And one of the things too, I was going to uh, say is that your philosophy is something that hasn't tracked with mine and other some speakers, and that is you advocate using a handheld mic where I like, like well, right now, we're using a wireless mic
2: as opposed to a handheld. Well, the book is, okay. So the book is Maximum Entertainment. The subtitle is Director's Notes for Magicians and Mentalists. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, I don't know, 280 pages. And that's one, two paragraphs. No, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it might might even be two pages within the 280 pages. Within all pages. of that, Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's one of the things that I, I do talk about. It, you're right. A lot of magicians do. That's one thing they remember. And I have converted many professionals from not using a handheld to using a handheld. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they they say once they understand how to do it properly, they'll never go back.
1: And what is the proper way of doing it?
2: Well, it's in the book, but basically, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you well, let's back up. A lot of magicians say but I'm I'm a magician I need my hands there's no That's way That's my I, point. Yeah. yeah. There's no way I can do it. And my point and uh, Eric Leclerc and man, many other uh I just mentioned him because he performed here at MagiFest. Um say, say what I say, once every trick can be blocked to either have the mic on the mic stand, your hands are free, or you have one hand and you can do stuff with your other hand, one hand holds the mic one or for a short period of time, very short, you can put the mic under your arm mm-hmm. like that, you know, which I'm, you can't see, but in, right. your, in your armpit, right. take it out. That's for a very short time, and or you have the holder around your neck, yes. which is my least favorite, but a lot of guys use that. But if it's around your neck, and those have improved greatly, great flexibility, they're dark, they're very small, you don't even know they're there, Uh you put it in and out very quickly, It's it's easy, and you have that handheld mic, and of course, what you guys now have, which I didn't have when I was in mentalism full-time, the uh, wireless handhelds are much better than ever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got reliability. Um, they're small. They're easy to hold. So, it, you don't have to worry about the cord. And yeah, not worrying about the cord. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Uh, but even like Max Maven was telling me, he, he was strictly handheld. And he said he always, right up to the end, preferred the, the corded. Not the cordless. Really? Yeah, he said he, he felt there was a slight uh, improvement in the sound quality with a corded That's interesting. Microphone. Must yeah. have been a real audiophile because that was such a fine difference. To me, I couldn't really hear a difference, but yeah. I'm just bringing it up. But that, some people do. That he did hear a difference.
1: Huh. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, because I remember... Terry Seabrook, using that line, whenever he would try to fiddle with the cord, saying, I had more cord than this when I was born, and because uh, it was kind of short, or he's pulling it along, or whatever. And there are techniques
2: so, that, you know, you can look awkward with a handheld, or you can get used to how to do it properly, and nobody ever notices.
1: Yeah, if you're going to be using one of those gym cracks, or, you know, a thing that goes around your neck, or whatever, then you might as well just be using a
2: regular wireless uh, mic. No. But, no? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Because, again, if it's a gym crack, you have the handheld mic, and the whole thing about um using a handheld mic. I can't believe this is the first topic we're talking about. <laughs> uh, but I follow the lead, Scott. Yeah. Uh you know, the the whole thing is when especially for a mentalist or any performer who has people come up on stage, mm-hmm. you have far greater control. Nothing drives me crazy faster than to see the magician have the uh the the ear mounted piece. Yeah, you know? round by the mouth. It, yeah, round by the mouth, immobile. It's not gonna go anywhere. Hi, what's your name? You know, and what brings you here to Dallas today? Mm -hmm. You know, and we can hear the magician and we can't hear that person, which is an insult to that person, as opposed to handheld. And again, you can't see me, but I'm (laughs) miming holding holding the mic to hear as I'm talking. And then you angle the mic to the person so that they are equal to us in terms of audio. Conversely... When that person is doing or saying something that you don't want heard, the mic comes away and you have control of what's going on. And as I point out in the book, you have control in terms of stage whispers. Sorry? Stage whispers. Stage whispers. Yes, that's something else. Mentalists can use that effectively. But you can talk very loud and move the microphone away from you, or you can get very soft. And when you're talking into a handheld and it's been properly set up, there's nothing more effective (laughs) than whispering and taking pauses but but don't forget when it's an immobile uh microphone around your around your face Mm -hmm. it nothing ever changes you know it's always one inch away from your lips
1: all fantastic ideas and you might be
2: converting me on that then as well uh i won't (laughs) (laughs) but i do like and and I'll, i'll be i'll devil's advocate myself right here the um the ones that are uh, around your your ear, the why can't I think of the word? The headset lavalier, microphones, just a well, not a lavalier. Okay. The headset microphones, um, they've have, have improved greatly, and so you do have more have those type brands. Yes, or whatever, and they yeah. are better than they used to be. So mm-hmm. sound uh, lo- yeah. yeah, When you lower your uh voice or you you speak loudly, the systems are better. So you, uh, I'm talking against myself now. I'm playing Dev- devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Uh So yes, folks who are listening to this, yes. Uh, You do get some of that effect, but still, you will never have the sound of, just visually, when you hold the microphone away from you, and you see me, Scott, I'm holding my hand away, I'm miming it, far away, and I'm projecting to the entire room, it's an effect, people understand what's happening, I'm talking to all of you directly without even needing this microphone, and then when I come here, because I have something rather important to say, what just happened has never happened before.
1: And you can't do that with a over-the-ear not, mic? Not the same way. Huh. Not the same way. Because of your body actions and yeah, how you, you've got yeah.
2: blocked. And, and, and whether it's the electronic effect of, of doing it further or close uh-huh. or visually, there's a visual effect to bringing it close, bringing it further away, which adds to the moment. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, also, I, I like the idea of how that you can control the audience, although there could be a mic on the stand. You could still have the mic over the ear, but they can talk into the mic. They can
2: hear them. However, at if, the, right at the very f- least, when you have somebody on stage, listen, my friends, if you get nothing out of this podcast, and promise we're going to talk about a lot of other things. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs>
1: uh, we got an hour. <laughs> but,
2: yeah. But uh, if you do nothing else, at least if you pe- bring people up on stage, volunteers from the audience, spectators... Have a microphone for them on a stand if they're going to say more than five words. Mm-hmm. If you just need them to stand here and, you know, ho- hold a balloon or something. And that's the worst use
1: of a volunteer in which
2: you're having them as a prop as table. As a prop. Right. Uh, which is another page or two in the, in the book. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. But if you, if, if, there's, the if there's a reason, thank you. If there's a reason to have a person on stage and they are going to say something, um, have a mic on a mic stand at the very least. Mm-hmm.
1: With maximum entertainment, you just said there's two pages on that, two pages on this. I, there are so many different tidbits and things in there that can almost be lost. That's why I want to kind of pick up, you know, some L- of the. Let me give you the best.
2: So I get a lot of compliments now. Um, as you should. Thank you. But, I, but one, one of the best compliments I get is when a professional sees my name on a name tag at a convention. You're Ken Weber. Yeah. Um, I carry your book with me. It's the only book I carry. I can tell you, Scott, a good number of professionals have told me that. That when they travel, it's the only book they carry because if you read it once, that's fine. But the professionals have read it three, four, seven times, Mm -hmm. and they're constantly marking off different parts. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, and because what applied to them or didn't apply to them, you know, a year ago now applies to their show the way it's structured now.
1: So they were reading it before and applying some of these things, and then they go back and it's kind of like, oh, now if I put this in. This other tip
2: makes sense to me now when it didn't a year ago. Exactly,
1: exactly. And is that why that you came out then with
2: 2.0? Several reasons. I swore I was going to write one book. That's what Uh, I thought. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There will not be a 3.0 no matter what I say. (laughs) Um, Never say never. So what happened is that um, I wrote the book. It took me two years to write it. And then slowly I started to see things, oh, I should have said this, or I should have worded that differently. Mm-hmm. The the 2.0 is about 80 pages longer than the original. So there's like 80 pages of new material that I think were important. Mm-hmm. And then I tweaked almost everything. Much of it you won't even recognize if you read the book and you read the uh, the 2.0. But it's tweaked. It's a little easier to read or it's clearer. You know, the, the points are made in a little more uh, direct way. So, I spent two years writing the original. I spent two years rewriting, you know, doing the revised version, right. revised and expanded version. So, are you saying that if you're going to be buying one, you don't necessarily need to have both,
1: just get the 2.0? Oh, no, if
2: you buy one, you're only are going to get 2.0 yeah. because it's everything that's in Number the one, right? Plus more. Right, plus more. That's why it's not called... Um, have a different Max- title. It's not called Maximum Entertainment 2 because that implies... Uh, a brand new a series, book. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's a series or a brand new book. Whereas, thanks to software 2.0 of you know of Windows mm-hmm. means it's Windows, just the latest version of Windows. Yeah. So 2.0, uh, and my dear friend Joshua J says, Ken, please don't call it 2.0. But I didn't have an alternative. I thought about all other ways of saying it, but. because of software, we understand. It's that, but it's the evolution of it. Right. Well, why does Josh say... I don't know. Josh, I love Josh. I know you do. He's smart. He's smart. Uh, I never got over that, that he said, please don't... I think because it became cliche, is what he was saying. I see. Uh, So I gave it a lot of thought. What else can I call it? I couldn't come up with a better uh, version. Yeah. (laughs) We went with (laughs) 2.0. And I'll I'll put in a plug, because I just said that to somebody this morning, uh, it's the same price as it was 22 years ago when the original came out. Forty dollars.
1: Forty dollars still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, and available
2: pretty much every place. For, I mean, pretty much every is it Published by Vanishing Ink. Uh, it's not published? published, and and who Josh published? never forgave me for not, not <laughs> publishing it through, through Vanishing Ink. Uh, I uh, I had complete control in the first book, and I decided, uh, as much as I love Vanishing Ink, and and several of the people you know in the field in the field. Um, my friend Guy Bovley taught me how to deal with Murphy's directly. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, I basically got it published. And I got to tell you, Murphy's every few weeks keeps sending me checks. Yeah, uh, You know, it came out, the the, the 2.0 came out, uh, geez, it's- Eight years ago? No, it's like five years ago at was this Was it point? just five? Just, I know it was before yeah. COVID. Y- yeah. And uh, they keep sending me checks because the, the magic shops and stores around the world keep, yeah. keep selling it. So um, it's kind of nice- so, uh, no, we're approaching ten thousand copies sold, which apparently is not common in the. It's not, particular. and I don't. I don't go and do tours. I don't. I'm not lecturing. I'm not doing anything to I just keep selling. Do you not lecture? Well,
1: except at conventions. This is this was MagiFest the has Fest the places you've actually lectured. Well, Madoff like, is a friend. He mind, said minevention
2: maybe. Uh, my invention, I did the 18-minute thing. At my, at, oh, just no, was- no, not yet. Yeah, I'm thinking of Magic Live, where I did the 18-minute thing. Yeah, no, I thought you did something in My Invention for Danny Archer. Years ago. Long yeah, time ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, but, but, yeah, so I don't do tours. I mean, most people sell their books, you know, going to right. clubs and all that. And I, right. I, I don't do that because I'm like, too busy with other things. Okay. so Get your own life. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's word of mouth. And I'm so, so pleased. And, Scott, I was just going to tell you that you were right there when we signed up for registra- registration for uh, uh, what are we at Magi Fest? Magi Fest, right? And the guy in front of me, who I didn't know at all, yeah. You handed me my registration tag, and he sees my name. Oh, you're Ken Weber. Oh, I'm a big fan, big fan. And uh, and I, I'm not bragging, Scott, but I'm just telling you when the book was published. I've told the story a number of times, and I went to Magic Live, and Guy Bobley said, Ken, bring some of the books. You can put it in my booth. He had a booth uh, for Guy Bobley. And uh, I put it on the corner of a table. I knew Guy and two other people at Magi- Magic Live, mm-hmm. 1600. The mentalists kept in themselves. We didn't go to magic conventions. I knew Max Maven, Guy Bobley, and a guy named Andy Levis, who's like a part-time performer. That's it. Mm-hmm. And now, because of the book, what just happened in front of your eyes right. That's right. <laughs> happens all the freaking time. <laughs> The worst, it's, it's gratifying. The worst part, and I'm lowering my voice, but I know this will pick up. Yes. The worst part is I forget who they are because they, they come over to me. Ken, I, yeah. Yeah, I met you last year. Hey, good to see yeah, you. Yeah, great to see you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Thank God that the font, tags, the yeah. font on the tags is fairly uh, <laughs> legible from a distance. Whenever I have on Facebook judged But wait, but wait a minute. Cook- Any of the people who are listening, I'll remember you.
1: You remember you exactly. Yeah, the people no. who are
2: listening. No, no, I remember. I know all talk- my listeners also, each and I, every one I know of the 10,000 people. So I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I love them all. And, uh, Except that one guy you told me about. We don't talk about him. We don't want to talk about him.
1: But uh yeah, certainly a lot of times I feel like Paul Harvey. I'm walking down the hallway and then people will turn around and say, I know that voice. Yeah. They may not recognize the face until they hear the voice. Oh, I, I've go. heard that, you know, right, kind of a right. thing. Same thing like if they see your name, say, oh, you're Ken Weber, you right. know, then because as you say, you're not out lecturing, you're not really on the social media. You're no. on TikTok, you said all the time. Then, well, too, but so. that had
2: nothing to do with magic.
1: But yeah, okay. That has to do with finance, I guess, and everything that you're talking about then? It's
2: political stuff. Oh, so political right. stuff. Keep, keep it separate. That's fine. Well, you know, I have, I have like three separate lives. Yeah. I have political Life, I have my uh, financial Weber asset management, which is a, a good company and it's mm-hmm. been going for 35 years. We manage hundreds of millions of dollars for other people, mm-hmm. uh, which also started as a hobby, just like my magic world did. Now it grew into a business. Yeah. Uh, and then I had the magic things, you know, that I still love. When I'm here, this is all I want to do. How do you balance all of those things? I mean, as a part time professional medalist. Uh, I'm I'm not really a mentalist anymore.
1: I okay. basically. Well, you were. I mean, I've kind of retired, partially retired also. But- yeah.
2: And every once in a while, I'll do something for, you know, small groups. But, um, uh, it's funny. I'll just tell you quickly. I'm not comfortable in front of small groups. I'm only comfortable in front of large groups. Because really? that, that, that's how I made my living for 17 years.
1: That's interesting. Some people have
2: a fear of public speaking. I, I know. That's why I brought it out. That is, yeah. I'm, I'm backwards that way. Yeah. If I do if I'm asked to do something for three people, like a close up thing, my hands will shake. Hmm. If you ask me to walk in front of eight hundred people to do my act, it's like walking into my office. You're more confident or because I've done that hundreds and hundreds of times. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's my that's my bread and butter for all those years. Yeah. A close up, my hands will shake. Mm-hmm. I I can't I just I'm, that's not my comfort zone. So when and you, I know that's backwards.
1: But when you were speaking, were you speaking as a mentalist or were you speaking then as a financial advisor? Speaking where? Uh,
2: well, that's what I was going to say. Where uh, do you speak or whenever that you would your if, presentation if. if if Josh J. when we came back from COVID, well, I think uh, he asked me, "Can we have this Magi Fest University?" Which I don't think he does anymore. He doesn't. But that was a good idea. <laughs> it was a good that. idea. Yeah. And so I had to do it it t- kind of like workshops. It was was right, right. Little classrooms. But it was basically just um, you know two Breakout. lectures. I did yeah. two two lectures, mm-hmm. and um, I loved it. I mean, it was fun. Mm-hmm. I go in, and I've done certain groups have asked me to lecture to them. Uh, there was a Coney Island one day magic lec- uh convention, uh, like that. So. If they ask me and I know the people, I'll do it. And if, can you keep a secret? Sure. You look like a guy who can keep a secret. <laughs> I, and I was just with Ossie Wind and he's, yeah. he's doing a lecture. And it's the same thing. I said, what are you lecturing on? He said, I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same for me. Mm-hmm. So what happens is I'll have a few key points that I'm going to make. And then I encourage people to ask questions. Now, the book is loaded with concepts and plus, Scott, I have mentored and/or directed dozens or hundreds—I don't know the exact number—of performers, mostly professional performers. Mm -hmm. Meaning, I encourage people during my time in front of them in a magic convention to think of questions that relate to their performances. Mm -hmm. What are you dealing with? What are you curious about? What what has been a problem for you? They ask a question, and boom—that's ten minutes. Because whatever, whatever they ask me, right. I know what they're talking about and I've helped other performers get over that particular problem because mm-hmm. I've just worked with many, many people.
1: I, I've talked with several performers who also teach or consult or whatever. And uh, if they'll ask a question, a magician or a mentalist, whoever would ask a question of these people, they'll give them an idea. But then after a certain point, it's kind of like, Hey, you know, I've got a, a, a class that I'll teach. Or, I mean, you know, I've got a, a fee. I mean, if you're right. going to demand more of my time for me to actually consult with you, are you kind of the same way? I mean, you, you'll freely give some advice to a point? Um, the
2: answer is yes, only not for a financial reason. It's just... Because of time. Yeah, time. You know, I'm not going to s- sit with you. And uh, if I don't know you, especially, you know. Yeah. Uh, listen, it runs the gamut. It, it's I'll answer one question and then move on with life. Or if I know the person and there's a reason I want w- work with him or her, uh, I'll offer my services that way. Um, I will tell you, this is sort of breaking news. Um, I have now begun to charge a -hmm. few people and I'll tell you why. Not a lot of money, but I charge, um, a bit. This is not my own discovery, but if you give somebody something for free versus they pay something for it, they value the, what they pay for. Mm -hmm. Um, I've given my book to people that, are, you know, young people generally who I, I remember when I had no money, right? And so sometimes I'll give a book away and then I'll meet them six months later. How, well, I, I'm up to pet chapter two and I like it, but I haven't gotten. Okay. Fine. If they spent the damn $40, the same price it was in 2002, mm-hmm. that price hasn't gone up. Yeah. Um, if they spent that money, they'll read it more quickly because they have an investment. They have an investment in it, literal financial investment. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, also, I'm starting to charge for my, you know, mentoring, because my time is tight. You know, I'm in my 70s now, Mm -hmm. and I'm saddened. I have clients and I have friends who say, "Gee, I'm retired, and I don't know how to spend my time. I don't have enough time. Mm -hmm. I do so many things now um, that if I'm going to say I'm going to help you, well." I I'm sometimes very bad. You know, they send me their video and I may not get to it for 5 weeks and I feel guilty. But if I know they wrote out a check or said, you know, Venmo, nobody writes checks. Right. That's right. <laughs> so my age PayPal, Venmo, yeah. Zelle. Yeah. Uh, and I, I know and I tell them don't don't send it to me until I tell you I have watched the video and we're ready to move. Oh, then I'll let point. you send it. Yeah. yeah. Uh but I know if there's a financial commitment from them to me, I'm going to look at it differently as well. So it works both ways. I'm more literally invested in it as are they
1: when you see a performance do you offer advice freely to someone after the show or only if they ask for advice option b that's what i thought and
2: scott that's the way to go scott i will tell you my friend uh i see people all the time and i'm dying to say (laughs) something please please ask me (laughs) just give me an opening yeah say hey ken Anything you, you get a note, you got a note? And I, I, I know in my head I have 12 pages of notes. <laughs> but, yeah, buddy. But, but here, you know, I give two. I'll give two notes because I'll first. Why? You know, one Why of the, I give them all 12 pages? Shut up. What are you doing to me here? <laughs> 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 Listen, one of the differences between the original book and the 2.0 is there's a section in the back called uh, how to give notes, oh, notes and yeah. how to receive notes. Yeah, I remember that. Chapter. Yeah. I'm glad we're getting to this. Yes. Yeah. And and in both, uh, well, when I say how to receive notes, the first thing when how to give notes, the first thing I say is always start with the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And Scott, that's not always easy. <laughs> <laughs> you look good, and yeah. you had the uh, yeah. your your
1: breath was fine. Your nails were polished.
2: Yeah, yeah something like that. <laughs> um, so you know, I do start with the and and honestly. Anybody who's going to come over to, to me and ask me, they're somewhere along the evolution. They're not total beginners, you mm-hmm. know. Uh so you start with the good stuff. But then if there's not a formal relationship, I'm just going to give one or two highlights, maybe three if if you know, if if it's appropriate, and I feel that they are really into it. But yeah, but sometimes, I mean, there are people here at MagiFest, a good number, that I have, they'll send me a one-hour video mm-hmm. or even a 20-minute video. And thanks to technology, I say, okay, I'm going to play your video. I'm in New York. They are wherever wherever they are. Mm -hmm. And you know your act. I'm going to play it on the speakers. You can hear me. And I'm going to keep stopping every few minutes. You do this over Zoom? Uh, um, I have to think. Yeah, sometimes over Zoom and sometimes um, just over the phone. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I'm going to start doing it more over Zoom. I, I don't do it over Zoom because I have my, I'm watching it on a computer and I'm not doing two computers. I see what you're saying. But they sure, know their sure. act. Yes, so they only really have to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I've done one or two over Zoom, but it's just easier for me to just turn it on on my computer. They hear themselves again, because it's on the speaker. So uh, when you said that over there, you know, uh, whatever it is, I say, here's a better way to say it, more effective, or that was too long, mm-hmm. t- too long, or that was, uh, you were rambling. Mm-hmm. You know, shorten that right there. Or right there you turned at the wrong moment. Let's and I tell them, record what I'm saying. You know, I see people if I'm giving them informal advice, they're nodding, they're nodding, they're nodding. Let's say it's after the show. And I know a week later they've forgotten half of it.
1: Because not too much, you mean? it's kinda of like Yeah, yeah, it's you, too much. Give them a drink from a fire hydrant. Yeah, they can't.
2: So here here's a free tip for everybody who's listening. Uh just remember this. When I did Magi Fest University. Um, one of the first things I said to them, I said, "Everybody, take out a, either paper, and, paper and pencil, or your note." Uh, pad. Yeah, we're all
1: given uh, notebooks.
2: Yeah, well, Just, your note uh, on your on your phone. On your phone, yeah. You, everybody's got a note function. I said, "You're going to write down exactly what I say." You ready? Write these words. Ken Weber, write that down. Ken Weber says, "Take notes." Period. I remember you saying that. Now keep going. Now you're going to say next line. Ken Weber says, "Take." More, but put that in capital. More notes! Exclamation point. (laughs) Close parentheses. Close quotes. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) because and then I explain what I mean by that. I am cursed that early on in my life, I took standardized tests like students do, and the the teachers or whoever said you're uh, you're high up in the standardized tests, Mm -hmm. meaning you're kind of smart. That's a curse, and here's why. I'd be sitting there watching a lecture at a magic lecture or wherever it might be. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. There's no way I'll forget that. I know where you're going with this. Yeah, it's obvious. Yeah. <laughs> a week later, what did he say what about What did say? <laughs> yeah, I'm a moron. I'm a freaking moron. And this is applied to my financial life, my, my, my show business life. Scott, I'm telling you, if I, I I'm not going to fairly successful. In, mm-hmm. Excuse me. But if I had taken more notes in my life, more carefully, I would have had I would have been much more successful.
1: That's a good point. The note-taking is important. And some of those notes should be put up like on your mirror to remind you of something <laughs> right, you know, right, as well. You right. know?
2: But just the fact but, of writing it and then you come back to it a week later, oh, oh, I forgot he said that.
1: That's the same thing uh, about after a show that you might hear a line that somebody throws you in the audience. You're thinking, oh, I got to remember that.
2: Oh, I bring that up all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was a kibitzer. I was, a, you know, from the Catskill Mountains. I played with the audience and all the time, well, I'll never forget that line.
1: And n- next day, what Holy was that crap. again?
2: Not e- There's no chance in the world I remember that. So you need to write them down. Got to write them down immediately.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about recording your dreams when you wake up in the morning?
2: <laughs> it threw me for a loop there. I'm not a psychoanalyst. Uh, I have no idea. I mean, sometimes
1: <laughs> you have a, an idea. It's like- yeah. I
2: mean i had a, i know my dreams are wacky I,
1: I had a silly idea in which that i was thinking about having a uh, a tennis racket but making it like a folding coin so this way that you know that it would turn in such a way like a coin that could go through a mirror or something and i remember sharing that idea with shimada uh, so many years ago because he was doing a stage of course that tennis racket and shimada don't fit together i don't know why i was telling him about the idea but it's one of those things i had as a dream and i thought this seems to kind of make sense then i was thinking of another one of a, i told Franz rory about that was a tip over trunk There was a sub-trunk. I mean, just not just tip over, but a sub trunk, you know, that you can show empty and then, you know, somebody comes out, you know, or you could exchange places or hey, whatever. Hey, listen, it is.
2: If, if it but, makes sense to you in the morning. Yeah. Typically you wake up and when you th- think about it, oh, that was ridiculous. But if it makes sense as you waken, you know, why not? I'm yeah, not well, going to argue with it. But you can also it. then kind of tweak that a little bit throughout the desk or day or
1: you kind of go back, well, that was pretty stupid, but what if I did something else? And right. so that's why I think it's important to not only have that, but also a to-do list. If you've got something you're going to be doing, do you use a to-do list to, in the morning or jot well, down I, things
2: throughout the day? I don't, I don't in the morning. Morning, but I said in the original version, um, you know, write stuff down, have, have your notebook. And I, I ended one of the chapters by saying, you do have a notebook, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to end the chapter right there to say, that's an important, important yeah, point. Important Which means if you don't, go get one right now. <laughs> yeah. But listen, when I was in show business, we didn't have, you know, a whole video and, and audio pr- uh, equipment right in your pocket. <laughs> that's true. So, so what I say is, and it's still true, if you're driving to and from a gig, mm mm-hmm. You're driving back. Turn off the radio. Turn off your podcasts. Turn on your voice recorder. That's easy to do, and just free associate what happened during the show, what worked, what didn't work. You know, what on the was, drive what, home. On the drive home.
1: That's a good way to unwind, actually, and to uh, download your brain of what right you think
2: happened. Right. Uh huh. Right. Now, a lot of people don't drive home uh, they're they're on a cruise ship or whatever uh, for example bill cook mm-hmm. right out of chicago yep i met bill and he said oh ken weber i love your book blah 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 I, and he said you want to know something you said record every you record your shows he said i record every show and at, i don't know if i do not know if bill still does this but he said he goes home uh, i met him at the magic castle yeah he said he goes home he pours a bowl of cereal milk and he watches the show from beginning to end and takes notes And Bill Cook has gone from being a nobody at the Magic Castle, which is oxymoron if you're at the castle of somebody, uh, to doing, you know, big shows around the world now. Yeah. Uh, So it worked for him, and I know it it would work. I don't advocate recording every damn show. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, that was also something that G, uh, Anderson was always talking about then as well. And his part time pro is be sure to record things. Of course, back then you'd be recording just with a cassette player. Right. And then, as you say, we all carry the phone then. Right now, it's easy to record video and or audio right. uh, with that and then watch it later. So it's probably a good idea to be recording those notes if, if you're going to be driving, as you had said, rather than trying to watch or listen to your show because the you're pro- not paying attention to
2: driving. The whole point, exactly. Don't, don't, you know, get in trouble as a as a driver. But the point is somehow, Whether it's Ken Weber says take notes or you're recording it on the way home or, you know, you're Bill Cook having your cereal. Just the act of thinking about what just went down on the stage, what happened, Mm -hmm. close up stage, whatever you're doing, um, just the act of making an effort reinforces that in your mind. Mm -hmm. It's important.
1: We're going to take a brief pause while we have a word from our sponsor, Tom Vorgehan, talking about the Winter Carnival of Magic. Winter Carnival of Magic, March 7th, 8th, and 9th is coming up to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And he, I, I know some of you who are listening to this are thinking, ah, it's too far, or it's in the middle of nowhere, it's in the Smoky Mountains, or you know, where is that in Tennessee or whatever? You're, you're going to miss out if you don't go to this. This is a great convention. I've been several times in the past myself. And today I've got with me Mr. Tom Vorgehan, who's the main chief cook and bottle washer, who's going to tell us a little bit about it.
3: Hey, Scott, how are you doing? I am great this leap day. It is Leap Day. It is Leap Day. Like any other year, this day wouldn't exist. Well, every four years. But I'm very excited (laughs) to talk to you today.
1: Yeah, maybe we'll get together again four years from now (laughs) and talk about the convention again that's going to be happening again. (laughs) But this is going to be the 49th uh, edition. And I I, I know next year is going to be 50th. And I don't know how you can really continue to knock it out of the park the way you do with the outstanding talent. So tell us even some of the people you've got coming up this year.
3: Well, you know, Ring 58 of the Winter, of the uh, International Brotherhood of Magicians been putting this on now 49 years, like you said. Um, and w- if it is fun to find talent. You've got to find guys who want to give back to magic. And uh, I have a list that I think is incredible. Doug Kahn, the Evisons are going to be there. Steve Valentine, Bob Sheets is coming in. Jaffa is coming up from Florida. Andy Gladwin coming in from England. Nick DeFot. Uh, we have a special lecture from David Uh Paul Richards will be a dealer as well as uh, lecturing. Uh, Jason Hooty is going to be there as uh, well as my friend Ray Adams will be making his uh, cameo appearance once again this year.
1: And, and that's just amazing. I mean, that's a, a lineup that would rival national conventions. And well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe that this is all being put together for the uh, the low price what is it 189 or something or
3: 189 for magicians wow. and then uh, 99 for not magicians whether they're children or spouses girlfriends boyfriends whatever you got. Yeah. Uh, if they don't if they don't know how to do a double lift uh, um, or, <laughs> it's yeah that's right. I guess they can get him for ninety nine dollars.
1: And there are going to be uh, eight lectures and four shows in three days.
3: So tell me about that. Yeah. Eight, eight lectures, four shows, uh, two competitions. Um, the, the and you say, how do you get four shows in three days? But uh, the first night, Doug Con's doing an evening with Doug Khan. So he'll be performing as well as lecturing. And then uh, one o'clock on Friday afternoon, Bob Sheets is doing his one man show because um, i didn't want to put him on an evening show i wanted him to shine in his own spot and uh just talking to bob when i was out at magic live in august that is going to be well that's worth your 189 right there whoop well, Shoot, I can say that about almost anybody on this one. <laughs> yeah, Steve Valentine, everybody, right? We talked about raising the price to $350. And then uh, especially as we head into these uh, years going to 50, we're doing our best to keep it at, at uh, 189. Uh, it helps us to cover the bills. Uh, if more people would show up, Scott, that's the key. So I really need anybody. Uh, it's not a bad flight if you had to fly into... Um, Knoxville, Knoxville See, you if you want to make a weekend of it or a week of it or whatever, you can fly into Nashville. It's a three-hour drive. If you fly into uh, Atlanta, it's a three-hour drive north. So there's different ways to get here. Look it up on a map. But WinterCarnivalOfMagic.com is the place to get all the details and stuff. And I just hope your listeners will go. Yeah, let's go. It's a you know it's a great great convention. I'm biased, but it's a great convention.
1: (laughs) There you go. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for that information. And again, as you said, wintercarnivalofmagic.com, March 7th, 8th, and 9th in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee.
3: Thanks, (laughs) Scott. Happy Leap Day to
1: you, man. (laughs) Right back at you, buddy. Now back to the rest of our conversation with our guest, Ken Weber. What are a couple of other key points in the book 2.0 that you would want to make sure people
2: don't overlook. That's a tough question. I'll tell you why. It's like asking who's your favorite child. (laughs) Well, it's not even that. It's kind of like that. Let's go back a little bit. How did this book come about? And you mentioned Bob Cassidy early. So here's how the book, and I was just talking to somebody this morning about this. Um, Bob Cassidy and I were early members of the Psychic Entertainers Association, right? Mm -hmm. And again, Mm -hmm. the PEA, and we had nothing to do with magicians. We, (laughs) <laughs> a little uh, ostracized group in the ma- magic yeah. world the mentalists mm-hmm. but we was we were both pros pretty early in life he finished met, uh legal you know uh, law school mm-hmm. but he wanted to be a full-time performer right right mm-hmm. from the start mm-hmm. anyway we would stand in the back of the PEA shows you know because like every convention guys get up and do shows right and we would make snide comments you know where he's from New Jersey. I'm from New York. That's what we do. Yeah, we, yeah. we live and breathe for you snark bust each other. Yeah, snark and snide. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so we make snide comments under you know quietly. And after a few years, I realized, well, this isn't helping anybody. It's just you know we're pleasing ourselves by being obnoxious brats in the back <laughs> making, making these <laughs> comments. Yeah, and you know somebody said, well, why don't you write a book? Because I then I started um, critiquing the shows publicly. Publicly meaning just for the PEA. Hmm. And they said, don't do it. People don't want to be, you know, to be done in public. And the first time I did it, I got a standing ovation. And they, then they asked me to do it every year for like seven years. And the, but the, I said, I can't do a book because everybody's different. You see, so, yeah, but it's from your perspective. Yes, but everybody's different. But the book came about because I realized after seven years of doing it, ah, certain themes would develop? same. Yeah. Uh-huh. There are certain things I'm saying again and again and again.
1: You're just beating that same drum but saying it a different way.
2: Well, yeah, but a lot of guys made this mistake and a lot of guys oh, made oh, that oh, mistake. Oh, oh, I see. I yeah, see. so it was similar mistakes over and over. So yeah, that's right. how the book started. So when you ask me what shouldn't be overlooked, I, I, it's hard for me to say that because everything in the book comes from watching professional performance. When the original book was written, I don't go to magic. Uh, groups, you know, um, Magic Clubs. Mm-hmm. I was never really a member. Everything that's in uh, the original and the 2.0 is only from watching professionals mm-hmm. and how they can be better. But it's all different. So one guy makes this kind of mistake and another guy makes that kind of mistake and the third guy makes that other kind of mistake. And one is not better, or you know, so I'm trying to respond to your question what is the thing I can't? You know, I want to talk about. Yeah, everything is important, which is why, again, going back to earlier, so many magicians, full-time performers, say they carry the book with them and they read it once a year. A lot of people say they read it once a year. That's a done deal, because as they evolve, ah, chapter two meant nothing to them the first time they read it. Now chapter two means everything to them. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just p- pulling a number out of yeah, that. yeah, um. So that's what I mean. So I'm not evading your question. I'm just telling you. There uh, are different
1: things, mean different things, importance it, it, yeah, to one
2: to, person. To me, nothing was in the book that was not important. There's no fluff in the book. And I tell people when you do your show, I mean, one of the most important chapters, I'm a- sort of answering your, your, your question. I think it's chapter three. I'm not sure. But it's about reactions. Mm-hmm. And when I And I think this is one of my important points. And I bring it up with performers a lot. It's everything you, if you're talking especially, everything you say, everything you say has to have a targeted reaction. It either has to be funny or dramatic or informative or fascinating. If it's not any of those, don't say it. Mm -hmm. And I see people all the time, I I say communicate your your humanity, but that's up to a point. We don't need to know your whole life story. You're only up there 20 minutes. I don't want to know seven minutes of your backstory. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so everything you do or say has to have a reason for it happening. Okay. Even if it looks informal. So that's one of those things, targeted reactions. That, that's reactions is what it's all about. What reaction are you hoping for now? And you want to hone everything down. And in 2.0, I have a quote from Jerry Seinfeld, who says he works, he, he has some time on it days or hours or something to get a joke down by one word oh to shave it down by one what's the excess word or two words that you can do the same exact joke with the same exact impact in seven words instead of nine words
1: i see Mm -hmm.
2: and magicians need to learn that too you know especially my 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 uh specialty is performers who speak you know right. I, i'm not really a great um don't hire me to do a, a a for methods and different ideas well don't don't hire me for methods because i'm not an inventor and don't hire me for the silent acts the non-speaking acts okay so if you're a guy who dances around uh produces doves and and cards get somebody else get somebody else <laughs> yeah i'm i'm the guy with the microphone who's talking to the audience yeah no matter what kind of microphone they use yeah that's my specialty But I want every moment to have a reason why you did that, why you said that. Easier said than done, but it's a never-ending process.
1: Well, I don't think that magicians in particular script things as much as mentalists do. Mentalists, I think, are more of a talking act. And that's why that I have, I wrote an article about this many, many years ago about, I think mentalism is not as popular in the community because a magician quote, can go and buy a trick today and put it in tonight's show. To be a mentalist, you actually have to talk and to get people's uh, emotions involved and evoking, like Rolando Santos would say, evoking rather than provoking an emotion. So there's a lot more scripting to get to that point to make it the real mystery as opposed to pack a trick you buy today and do tonight. Scott, Scott,
2: Scott, Scott, Scott. You have opened up. (laughs) (laughs) Scott, so all my PEA friends who are listening, yeah. how is Ken going to handle this question right now? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll sit back and listen to this. Well, well, you, you've really opened the can of worms. Uh, where do I start? Yes, back when I wrote the book, man, there was a dividing line between magicians and mentalists. And when I was a full-time mentalist, we had to explain to the booking agent or the what college, a mentalist is. Yeah. What a mentalist is. Yeah, exactly. I have to say, oh, did you ever see Kreskin on television? Yeah, well, it's something like that. Yeah. Now, every freaking magician in America, and probably Europe too, mm-hmm. is a magician slash mentalist. Mm-hmm. Because now, you know, we had billet switches, and we had our techniques, and now you center can tears spend- tears and all that. Yeah, yeah. center tears and, and all, all that. Uh, and we all learned it and how to do it. Yep. And now you can spend some money on a piece of electronics. Electronics. And there yeah. you are. Yeah. And I'm a mentalist. Uh, you're exactly right, Scott, that- um, and i've said this many times people become mentalists because they think quote it's easy us oh, not easy. we don't have to learn the pass the invisible pass we don't have to learn you know diagonal palm shifts right as a mentalist but you're 100% right we have to get into their heads what's going to make them have a reaction mm-hmm. that they feel internally right yeah and, and that's why I think a beauty is of mentalism as well that you could be,
1: as you were talking about, speaking to a group of eight hundred to a thousand people. You could reach the person in the very back of the audience with mentalism, unlike somebody saying, "I have a coin up here," and they're saying, "What? Uh, I'm just going to tune him out." Right. But you are reaching people with what you say as a mentalist that a magician cannot reach with their script.
2: Right. Right. And, and so prop. you're right that, that that a mentalist has they may not actually write it down, but they are thinking about that script. A lot more than a lot of the magicians who yes. are now slash mentalists. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, because they bought something on Tuesday, and I'll give them credit. Not that night, Scott. Thursday. They waited for Thursday. Well, they had to wait.
1: <laughs> the card got printed, you know,
2: so they could <laughs> book a show. Well, that, that too. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so you're right. The, the top mentalists really do work on the words because the words – a top mentalist has no props, at least in the mind of the audience. mm mm-hmm. Then we may have props. It comes on negative. It's a yeah. It's ju- it's just a pad yeah. of paper. So to the audience, we walk out. I mean, I will tell you, uh, when I was a full time performer, I would walk out. You know, and if it was a guy who was booking a lot of shows, uh, a, a nightclub or a uh, cruise, well, where are you? Where are your props? props? Yeah, no, I, I just have this pad. Paper. Clipboard? Yeah, yeah. Don't say clipboard. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, a pad of paper. Mm-hmm. You know, but. Uh, you're going to do an hour with that trust me <laughs> yeah you, you know and now what i did i'm i'm going to go back and this is mentioned in 2.0 um my bread and butter routine for most of my mentalism career was uh giant memory the pad of paper had uh, a large pad of paper very large mm-hmm. 1 to 10 in a column and then second half of the page uh, 11 through 20 okay And then I'd have a volunteer from the audience, preferably, preferably a former teacher who would come up on stage. I'll call her Susan for today. And, uh, she'll be behind me. And then I'll have people in the audience raise their hand and they'll give me any number that hasn't been filled in yet and any word, any object that can be touched, anything in the world that can be touched. And I make some obscene gesture with my hands, just, you know, but I just get a laugh out of that, but anything in the world can be touched. And, uh, I'll say, for example, Somebody over here might say number 15, chair. Susan in big block letters will write the word chair. Somebody in the back might say number 12, table. And Susan will write in capital letters the word table. Now you can give us words like table or chair. But folks, you're all adults. It just has to be anything that you can touch in the world. Use your imagination. Let's have some fun. What's the first word? And we're off and running. So I never see the words behind me. And when they're all filled up, uh I give Susan a pointer. Again, I never look back there. And as now, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands down. You're going to give us one of the numbers from one to twenty. Susan will point it out. I will hopefully give back the correct word before it's she can even find it to point it out. So number three. Number three was a shoe. You know, it was from the gentleman back here, it was a brown leather shoe from Tom McCann. Mm-hmm. You remember Tom McCann.
1: Of course most, I do. Most people <laughs> don't. Yeah, like Buster Buster <laughs> Brown shoes and all that. Yeah. Right, right. Red ball right. jets. Yeah, so so
2: every word most of the words were not only the main word, but adjectives to fill it in and make it more interesting. So the, the whole board was just filled with words. Sure. Um, but I, it was legit. Yeah. you memorized memorize it. As it a, was yeah. from, you know, the old, the mnemonic systems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And here's a little anecdote for you, for your listeners. Um, I would do on the Norwegian cruise line. This is my first gig. I'm 24 or five years old. And, uh, I was the afternoon entertainment. So they either came before lunch or after lunch. So I do the 20 words, legit memory. Yep. Maybe, I don't know, 45 minutes between shows. And there's a live band who played me off and play me on. And they would play music at the end as I'm going down the list. And then um, I do the second. And I have to memorize a whole new group. Every once in a while, Scott. I'm just talking to friends now, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Every once in a while, number 15. Uh 15. I remember number 15 from the first From the last show, show yeah. Oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. But I had ways that I could, you know, come back to it or
1: something. I had a little test That's techniques. the problem with the magazine test, of having to forget the magazine that right, you could that just we, memorize. Right.
2: Now you got to memorize this week's Newsweek or right, Time or right. whatever. The advantage of a magazine test, which I keep promising I'm going to do one day.
1: That's a great act.
2: It's a great act where, you, where you, for those who don't know, you take a magazine like Time Magazine, and you memorize every page. By memorize, you meaning you mean much of it. You don't memorize it word right, for word. Just
1: some keywords and pictures and pages. Um,
2: and the advantage is, unlike my legitimate giant memory that I did as it was happening, at least when we're doing um, the magazine memory, you can um, be backstage and start, you know, checking yourself. Correct. See, do you have it? So you can keep doing it and keep doing it before you set foot on the stage.
1: Yeah. When I talk with people who have done that, they said that the main problem is, again, trying to forget the other oh, yeah. one that you had memorized from
2: before. Yeah. I, I remember nights when I was up in the Catskill Mountains, I did three shows a night. And I had nights when at uh, one in the morning <laughs> in the Catskill Mountains at the Bungalow Colonies. Nice. Uh, and uh, I remember number 15 from show number one mm-hmm. i remember number 15 from show number two i have no freaking idea
1: <laughs> you, you go to go to bed with those numbers kind of in those yeah. uh, associated yeah. uh, things. thankfully
2: that only happened a few times in my career <laughs> went, went on uh but those are the nights i was going to quit show business yeah because it was just embarrassing <laughs> as hell well always- my, my point but I just i just want to finish my point was that mentalist of that school we knew mnemonics, you know we knew day day for date or uh insta calculations you know we we did things that were mm-hmm. true mentalism, mind power mm-hmm. and unfortunately, for better or worse, there's been a shift to. I try it on tu- I buy it on Tuesday. I can do it on the weekend. Because they're right? electronic things. And if you could afford that. It, it seems easier yeah. to, to do, but mm-hmm. it's the script that's everything. The trip, the trick is nice, but that it's the script that makes or breaks it. If you watch somebody like Paul Vigil, for an example, I, honestly, you know, he, he is highly skilled. He is form. amazing. Right. right,
1: right. Yeah. Sleight of hand and sleight of tongue. I'm right. just saying his scripting for everything. He, he has a great presentation for it. And it sounds like, man, I want to just kind of sit and listen to this guy talk.
2: You know? Well, that's a great compliment, yeah. you know, and and that's, I mean, I remember reading certain novels, uh, Sophie's Choice, hmm. you know, a great novel, and somebody asked me, I was fifty pages into it, and what's what's it about? And fifty pages in, literally nothing had happened. No, nothing had happened. It was just three people living in Brooklyn. Uh, in just the 19- setting it up, yeah. But it was such beautiful liter- literature. The English language was used in a way that made you want to listen. Well, the best performers. And there's only a few, and there's almost none, but there's a few who understand that the power of the word is everything. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm saying I specialize in people who talk uh, along with their tricks, you know? Sure. Um, But yeah, the way what you say is important, and it should, the words you say should not simply be uh, sort of the filler to get you from this trick finale to that trick finale. There should be a reason why you're saying everything. Make it funny, make it traumatic, make it fascinating, make it interesting, and if it's not any of those, get rid of it. It sounds like something that was, can uh, in your DNA.
1: I mean, you were talking about doing this in the Catskills, and so you've been doing it you know, on the cruise ships. When you were very young, it sounds
2: like that you jumped right into mentalism to begin with rather than magic. I Well, that's a good point. Um, I was, I think, 16 or 17, and I had seen some other young magician do the giant memory, mm-hmm. and I. And I, and I was actually the person writing the stuff on the board. Yeah. How is he doing this? <laughs> and he said, here, it's, it's in this book. And uh, I guess I have a gift for gab because it can be very boring to do that type of thing, getting words. I, I keep, Just like a night's tour. Yeah, which I, I did a few times too. Yeah. Um, but if you don't do it right, that can be boring. Yeah. And by the way, Lior Menorah sells a Night's Tour. I wrote the instructions for it. Uh, well, he has
1: uh, done something for me. I uh, worked at a trade show using a Night's Tour on a big television right,
2: screen. Right. And right. When I had him develop, you know, the logo that. So, yeah. That's right. Right, yeah, right. I love Lior. Yeah. But um, we all love Lior Menor. Um But. Um, the words are important. I forgot where we were going just then, but...
1: No, talking about, dude, you were doing magic uh, to begin? with You saw someone yes. as a magician, actually, yes. when you were like so 16 I, or 17. I, I had the
2: gift for gab. You know, I know there's many, many, many things in this world I can't do. I can't do good manipulations. I can't play uh, an instrument. I play rhythm guitar not well. And I'm certainly not an athlete. But I can stand in front of an audience and talk and make them laugh and mm-hmm. have fun. Mm-hmm. So when they give me words, I can make, have fun with those words. Yeah. You know, um, like that. If somebody gave me number 14 car, I'd say, uh what what brand? Mm-hmm. P- Plymouth what what model? Duster. Okay, what color? Um how ma- and I point to a woman, this is really really bad. Don't don't publish this. Cut this out of the tape. <laughs> Promise me you'll cut it out of the tape. <laughs> Are you serious? No, I'm not serious. <laughs> but first of all, there's no tape. Uh yeah. secondly, and c- this was cer- certainly 30 years ago before 40 years ago. And I would say uh I point to the woman. How many horsepower Eight out of 10 times, the woman would say, I don't know. Well, name a number. They'd say eight. Okay. See, you laugh. Yeah, yeah. And I'd say, oh, she thinks they're real horses. It it was a stupid joke. Yeah, but But, the time, it might have been For the time and place. Oh, God, I can't believe I just said that. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, there was always, no matter what they say, but you'd fill in all that information. So the board was filled with stuff. And I wish some of the guys would would get back to that because there are performers out there who can – uh, keep it's the really audience. Yeah, yeah. You can
1: sell that. You can sell it. Well, just like the guy who does the uh, telephone book, um, you, you just name a area code and he can tell you, where or zip code, I guess it is. Yeah, zip code, zip code. Yeah, zip
2: code act. Which it does that. blows my mind. There's a few guys doing it and there's different techniques, but I think a couple of them are doing it legit. Legit, yeah.
1: That's it's amazing. Well, a fellow who we have here at the convention this week is Arthur Benjamin. Yeah, and I worked with him actually in Bath, England. I was emceeing in his show and got to know him backstage uh, quite well. I'm anxious to have a chance to uh, chat with him then because uh, he has a completely different act of having to do with math, and more normally people don't know it, math. I, I
2: saw Arthur They're, work once, and um. He yeah, makes it he's so mind-boggling. Fun. He is. Yeah, in, in an entertaining way. He's yeah he's faster doing than a, a calculator stuff, and yeah. you don't want it to end. You don't want the show to end. Right, and it is very entertaining. And you're right. And I think it has a lot to do with his
1: scripting, then as well. I mean, it's not just the fact that he's faster than a calculator, but the things that he builds up, you know, one on top of the other, that just continue to, uh, to to build like that. There was uh, Hitchcock who had uh, mentalism incorporated. What's his name? Oh, no. Chuck Hitchcock. Chuck Hitchcock. Chuck, Hickok. Chuck Hickok, Thank yeah. you. Chuck Hitchcock had uh, in his book was talking about it's kind of like a branching not a branching anagram what i'm trying to say is his was just kind of building so in other words if you believe that i have this power and then you it's okay i can believe that then you have something else that's a little bit more less harder to believe but then but if you start at the end it's completely unbelievable people are not going to buy that but if you kind of script it such that they you add more onto it at the end when it seems like it's impossible it's like but yeah but i've
2: kind of proven by building these building blocks chuck is an old friend and, I, and that book was a great book uh, Mentalism Incorporated, and he had another one. I forget yep, the time. I think we're number two. Yeah. Um. Here's the thing: <clears throat> rules are rules, and you can break rules, mm-hmm. but if you know why you're breaking them. So true. What Chuck said there, what you just repeated. Uh, well, you you said it well. Um, I, I didn't follow that script. I I think you can start with something powerful if there's a reason, mm-hmm. and then what I. Here's a tip for mentalists who are, and since every magician is a mentalist now, yeah. Here's something that drives me crazy. It's referred to in 2.0. You can't sweat. You you can't say, "Here's a pad of paper that has some famous actors in it, and it's a Sven pad." Let's, you know, yeah. And they're not even that big. And open it up. Okay, you have an actor or an actress. Okay, I get the feeling it's a man, right? Okay, and then they're struggling. They're struggling. But we know it was a small pad. So right away, there's only 12 possible. And then you say, I'm getting getting a a T. Is there a T? Yeah. Well, it's your damn pad. Yeah. And then the next thing you do is think of your first girlfriend's name. So you went from a very finite number of choices to an infinite number of choices. You know, a girl's first name could be anything uh, in any spelling. Dude, there's no logic there. That so that's you're like, the mental,
1: like a mental epic. You know, then you end up like with a playing card yeah, or something.
2: Which, which I actually did on the cruise ships. And that, thinking back on it was, it's very embarrassing, yeah. but that was my force. I needed a force. At the yeah. End. <laughs> but the, I mean, in other words, if you can do all these other things, then you end up with just a playing card. Yeah. So I it's know. the same thing what you're talking Th- about. Thanks but. for embarrassing me. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally how I did it on, on, on the cruise ship. But I was young. I was young and stupid. Okay. Leave me alone. <laughs> You're forgiven. Yeah. I, if I knew back then what the, was in the book, I would have not done that. <laughs> it, it didn't help.
1: And so, again, that you continued on really with uh, mentalism and uh, never really did magic, but then started helping uh, some other people with uh, with their mentalism uh, routines. I know that people
2: look to you for advice, and, and, and I'll just as say when I, when I when I coach. Uh, it's sometimes mentalism, mentalists, and it's often magicians. I mean, my life was, you know, I'm a I'm a magician at heart, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So when I help people, they can be a magician and or mentalist. I, I work with both and I'm equally uh, invested in their success.
1: Yeah. One of the things completely different. Uh, you, you talk about the PEA, which I think is an important organization, but there was another group of mentalists, is it the seven or something that's- The 13? In, the 13. Yeah. Is that uh, a group that's still oh, around? Scott or? Wells,
2: you're killing me, Scott. And that's what's that, talk that about last, it? That was like 50 years. Yeah. And then COVID came and we basically haven't met since then. Okay. Uh, but it started like 50, 60 years, long before me, 70 years ago. How did just one get into
1: that thirteen? Or did they get into that? You were invited. Okay. It was a new. Because York someone died and then they kind of no, had an no, opening or?
2: No, there, people think there were 13 members. No, there were 17 at some points. Okay. Uh, it became 13 because originally they met on the first and third Saturday. It was only in New York, right? The New York, New Jersey area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but remember back then there was no internet. You hmm. know, hmm. to be a mentalist, you couldn't wait for your issue of bascom jones's magic it yeah. Yeah, yeah magic right. with a k at the end i got end. out the book, you would wait that, for that to come once a month or twice a month i forget now yeah and or corinda book or whatever it might be you waited for that to come and you had no means of talking to other mentalists so to have a group like that who met who you do what i do that's incredible you know you love those books too uh so we met but after covid and now you can have a Zoom meeting with, and, and we do, I have a, a small group that meets, uh, we have people in Israel and, and, and California and New York, and we meet sort of once a week. You still call the 13, even no, though it's no, expanded? it's, it's, a, it's just a different group. group that got together.
1: So the 13's kind of after, before COVID or during, uh, you know.
2: Dissipated. It has dissipated. I hope it gets back together. Yeah. We, we had some great, some great, great people. Uh, Did you put some books together? No, we never did. That's but too bad. The, the closest, the closest we did that I can tell you about. Do you want a scoop for your, your Sure, listeners? Of course I do. <laughs> I'll give you a scoop. <laughs> uh, I don't know how much of a scoop it is, but here's the story. Um, so Ted Karmalovich, Yes. Ted K is people. He was far and away our most innovative member. Mm-hmm. And this is back uh, 20 years ago. I, I can't remember. But, um, He kept saying he's working on a new book test. Okay, fine. Everybody has book tests. And he said, oh, this is going to be the mother of all book tests. And why did he say that? Because back then was during the first Kuwait invasion by Iraq. And Saddam Hussein said, if America invades us or fights, it'll be the mother of all battles. And that was headlines Mm -hmm. that Saddam Hussein threatened America and Kuwait. It'll going to be the mother of all battles. Everybody knew that phrase. Yeah. And Ted Karmalevich said he's going to pr- produce the mother of all book tests. Um, that's how that title I came. I Interesting. And one day, two or three of us were going into the city by train. I don't – I stopped going in by train. But we were going in by train, Long Island Railroad. Roy Miller, who you – know, great guy. Um, we And somebody else. We were talking. We said, well, what's going to be an, – and we went a mother, what, what it should entail. Anyway, so there's maybe – Eight or 10 of us at the meeting. And, um, Ted gives me the book. We have no clue what's going to happen here. So he gives me a hard bound novel. Yeah. Okay. And we all know the techniques is going to have a pin in there or going to force a page or he's going to be write something down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ken, um, uh, think of any word, pick, pick one longer word just to make it fun. Uh, okay. Now I'm going to have to write it down or something. And he goes, um, okay. The first letter is uh, B. I say, no. Wow. Now, over on the side, Jerry McCambridge, mm-hmm. who's Las Vegas, Jerry McCambridge. Mm-hmm. He starts going like this. Now, you – so my arm is going up and down here. That's what they – your listeners can't <laughs> tell. I said, what are you doing? And Jerry goes, he's pumping. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Because he's – I said, no, yeah. there's no B. It's not the first letters B. And he uh, says, okay. So he takes out a big pad and he writes a word. You know, and I say what the first letter is, but I'm waiting for him to have me write it down or having something, right. something, the usual right. techniques. And I say, you know, what was the word? And thunderstorm, whatever it was. And he turns around the pad and it's starting thunderstorm. Scott, here's the part that your listeners don't know because thousands of them have a version of the book test. Right. The eight other people in the room just continue talking.
1: As if it was just on every
2: other day. another trick. Yeah. And he's going to tell us and we're going to find out that he stooged me or, had, or something, something, something. I had a guys, guys, guys. <laughs> stop. You know what just happened here? Wait a minute. <laughs> do you know? Do you understand what just happened? I, this is a novel. This is before desktop publishing was a thing. Yeah. I mean, it was just in its infancy. Uh-huh. Um, and he told me to go to any page. Guys. And I recapped what just happened. He then explained what he did. He, he wrote an entire novel. Mm-hmm. A novel. Yeah. 300 pages, completely gimmicked. And you could go to any page and the eight of us that were left, um, gave him a standing ovation. Never happened before or since, mm-hmm. but we were totally blown away. And we kept it to ourselves for five years. Really? Yeah. So out in the collector's world, there are, Two different. There were actually three different versions of mothers that only the thirteen has. Mm -hmm. So someday those will be in the Smithsonian of (laughs) magic, metalism somewhere, (laughs) metalism somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) somewhere. Yeah, and we have different words, which is why I don't know. I know I think thunderstorm is one of the commercial words, but I I don't know the word optometrist. I know is one. We had our own. I wrote one. I wrote one myself Hmm. that I, I did for the for the group, and it's not easy to come up with the the, right. the the things that are necessary to produce that correctly.
1: Yeah, for the words to actually
2: make sense. The and words, to, and then so that if you read the text, yeah. it can't start the same line every time as on the pages, it had always be different. If you read it, it had to make sense. I wouldn't uh, say, I say it's easier go, now, but... Book, book binder, you had to get the right book binders. Yes. to Make it look professional. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you were saying? Yeah, I'm just saying that it's a little bit easier now. still way, not easy, but— It's way easier
1: now, than, yeah. —than when he was doing it at the time. Right, right, And for him to have actually had that printed and bring that in yep. and pull that on you guys, right. that's amazing. Yeah. Ted had a, a lot of really
2: uh, interesting ideas. Ted, Ted, we miss him dearly. He, yep. he was a great guy and, and a good performer. Yeah. Uh, I remember at my invention, he gave a lecture, and when he said, you know, I only have 50 copies or what it was a stampede, literal a stampede yeah, yeah. to get online to get the – I'm going to close. We're getting to the end, We are. Right? I was going to say yes. Okay. I'm going to give you one of the funniest moments of my life. It's related to mentalism and magic. Okay. And not many people know this story. So it was the PEA, and our guest of honor was Darren Brown, mm-hmm. the Darren Brown. He came in, um, we gave him an award, but um, – Anyway, my friend Bob Baker, who's here, who's in the PEA, he's a great mentalist, but he's also a ventriloquist. And uh, he he and I came up with this act to do for the PEA, which at this point is maybe 40 people in the audience. Okay. And I think I heckled him from the audience to say, oh, that's not difficult. I don't remember. This is 20 years ago or more. Anyway, I end up with Oscar, the vent puppet, on my lap. Okay, and Bob's going to go into the audience and do mentalism. <laughs> okay. So, and I'm and, and all the pup I know, is going to say something. The pup is going to talk. Yeah, and all I know is how to go up and down with my finger to make the lips move. That's yeah. all I know. I'm not a ventriloquist. Yeah, and um, he goes over to different people. He's doing different things. And then he goes to Darren Brown, and asks if he has a any sort of dollar bill. Yeah, and it's American money. Mm-hmm. And he takes one out, and he asks Oscar if he can you know read the bill, and I yeah, you know, well, if I can read the real. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the first number, uh Darren, would you stand up? First number is four and then seven. Now i at this point the audience is laughing because the mentalists pick up on it and I'm I'm drinking water. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking a glass of <laughs> the water. Somebody's mouth moving, he, yeah. He's 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 uh telling the serial number. Yeah. Darren, I swear to God this is true, told us for the first 10-15 seconds. He said, how did that dummy know the serial number? <laughs> 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 Bob is there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next thing. well, number three, two, four, <laughs> and I'm just up there in the stage. Yeah. And Darren Brown was fooled for 15 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. That's it.
1: Well, to close the uh, podcast, the name of my podcast is called The Magic Ward. I always like to ask my guests uh, what it is that you're, what is your Phrase. What is your magic word? Not necessarily a word, but what is it that uh, is your okay. philosophy?
2: I didn't know you were going to throw that at me, but fortunately, I have an easy answer because the working title of Maximum Entertainment, the working title was Raise Your Level. Raise your...
1: Oh, I love that.
2: Yeah. So that was the working title because if you're down here, and I'm, I'm my hand's down here. Right. If you're down here, you can be here. But if you're up here, you can still get up here. Even higher. You can always get a little higher. Yeah. No matter where you are in life... Or in show business, just intentionally, mindfully raise your level.
1: Love that. That is a good thing for life. You're welcome. <laughs> Ken <laughs> Link, thanks very much for your time and your effort, your words and everything that uh, you've shared here today. I think everybody's going to get a lot out of this. I certainly well, I do. I hope so. I hope so. Thank <laughs> you. It's <laughs> always fun, Scott. Thank thanks you. again. So for the Magic Word Podcast, that was Ken Weber talking about maximum entertainment and 2.0. This is Scotty Al. Thank you, Ken, for being my guest this week on the Magic Word Podcast. And thank you in particular for offering a book, Maximum Entertainment 2.0, as a free gift for someone who would be a lucky winner. All you have to do is go to themagicwordpodcast.com. There you will see a form you can complete with your name and email address. And if your name is randomly selected, then we will, or he will send you a copy of his book. And if you reside outside of the United States you can still enter however just be aware that if your name is randomly selected you'll have to reimburse him for the uh, postage foreign postage he'll let you know what the postage is going to be beforehand so you'll kind of have an idea of how much to pay and if you like not to then we will draw another winner well, this has been uh, not just a special episode because we've got Ken involved, but also because it's uh, a leap day, which means this is uh, a leap year. We have an extra day here this uh, year, and it happens every four years, Which, uh, but it's falling on a Thursday. This is very unique because it only happens every 28 years, so it's not going to be happening again until 2032, so I believe it is. So you'll have to—I I don't know if I'll be around then, to still doing the podcast, but uh, we your support. (laughs) God's help and uh, the creek don't rise. uh, Perhaps I might still be here. Who knows? In the meantime, if you'll make sure that you subscribe to the pod letter, help us with your financial support. Uh, Like us on all of your social media, as well as giving us five star ratings and good comments on your uh, iTunes or whatever platform you listen to. That'd be greatly appreciated. All right, we need to get out of here. This has been a longer podcast than what I had intended for this to be, uh, but it's been great. I hope that you enjoyed it as well. So until next week, stay well, get booked, and remember to raise your level. This is Scotty out.